Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. That's our key text for this series. If you want to be exalted by God, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong to be exalted by the living God. Now, I could care less if people exalt me. I could really care less if man exalts me because the people that love you today will hate you tomorrow. You know, um, generally speaking, the people that are rooting you on today, they may not be rooting you on tomorrow. The people that love you today very well may not love you tomorrow. What is it? Uh, I think they did this in the Roman Empire. Oftentimes when a general would come back from a victorious battle, he would come back from a victorious battle and he would be riding in that chariot. Maybe it was the Caesars that they would do this to. Uh, and beside him would stand a man saying, uh, glory is fleeting, I think is what the phrase they would use. Glory is fleeting. In other words, when they're coming back and there's a huge celebration and people are throwing those, those, uh, those branches that they would actually make around as a, as a, uh, a, a type of a sign of victory, they would do it at the Olympics as well. They're, they're celebrating, yeah, you're awesome, you won the battle. They would, there would be a man standing beside him in the chariot reminding him, Glory is fleeting. The praise of man is here today and it's gone tomorrow. But in the Bible, it tells us in James chapter 4 and actually in 1 Peter chapter 5. In fact, I'm going to read both of them since I brought them up. James chapter 4, because we might think, well, if we're supposed to be humble, then we would not even want to be exalted. But the reality is it's okay to desire to be exalted. But it's who exalts you is who matters. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Someone type more grace. TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Type in the comments, more grace. More grace. If you go to 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. So here's two witness accounts already. 1 Peter chapter 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, and all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So it's actually appropriate to desire to be exalted by God. Because if God exalts you, one, no man can tear you down. If God exalts you, no man can pull you down. No government can pull you down. No business can pull you down. If the blessing of the Lord is on your life, what devil in hell can compete with that? Secondly, if God is exalting you, it's because you have humbled yourself under his mighty hand. When you humble yourself under the mighty, holy hand of God, he'll exalt you. And remember, our working definition for humility is this. We talked about this, and if you didn't check it out, I highly encourage you, go check out the first uh, session we did. Humility comes before honor. What is humility? I gave you nine different points about what humility is, nine different characteristics of true biblical humility. But what is true biblical humility? It is absolute surrender to God's will. That would be good for you to type that in the comments. Type out that, that sentence, that phrase, that definition of biblical humility. What is biblical humility? Absolute surrender to God's will. Absolute surrender to God's will. Hey, Miss Teresa, glad to have you on. God bless you. Absolute surrender to God's will. That is true humility. It is absolute, total surrender to God's will. It is saying, Lord, what you say goes in my life, and I could care less the competing voices, the competing opinions. I do not care 
what anyone else says, what anyone else thinks, I'm surrendered to your will. Your will be done in my life. That's true humility. And we're going to see that today displayed in session three, Humility Comes Before Honor, The General Who Hides. Now, I asked the question, who do you think I'm talking about? We're going to go to Judges chapter six, and we're going to look at a man named Gideon. We're going to look at the life of Gideon, and not the whole life. We're actually just going to look at the first portion of Judges, Judges chapter 6. We're going to basically cover that entire chapter. But really, the life of Gideon is several chapters in the book of Judges. And we're going to look at the life of Gideon. Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to begin. And as I really enjoy, I, I love to just take chapters and work through them verse by verse. I like working them through verse by verse and sections of verses at a time. I think it, I think it helps a lot uh, because after all, you're, you're, it's at my time, Wednesday, 11, 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you're listening to a guy talk about Scripture, and we're joining together to study the Bible. So I believe that you greatly desire to grow in the grace of God, in the knowledge of God. So we're going we're gonna to take this chapter and work our way through it. You know, some people may only want to hit a verse here or there. I want to do deep, deep study. Yashta216 says, do you have a real job? And then puts six question marks after it. Wow. That is like a, a question to the sixth power. I'm glad that you're on and watching, Yashta. Feel free to follow. I'm sure you'll enjoy all the content that I put out. <laughs> Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in a numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. First point I want you to see is this. Before we even get to the man Gideon, what I need you to see is this. Sin always destroys. Hey, Lindsay, glad to have you on. God bless you. I want you to type that in the comments. Sin always destroys. Sin always destroys. Don't, I don't like it. No one likes it, but it's the gospel truth. And it's something we have to understand. Before we even get to Gideon, the general who hides, and see how humility worked in his life, I need you to understand that sin always destroys. Now, that's not to say, and, and before I get there, let me make this point. Sin always destroys. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal. Excuse me. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Rainbow Ghost, glad that you're watching and listening. Make sure you subscribe to my church YouTube channel. It's in my link tree. I'm going to be preaching this Sunday, and it's a ser service, uh, the, the sermon's called Identify, and we're going to be confronting the lies that Satan has spoken to a generation concerning sexuality, and we're going to see what God says about true sexuality and how we're created in, in His image. You need to listen. Probably won't agree, but I pray that you'll hear it and repent in Jesus' name. Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. It's this simple. When Satan shows up, he has one objective and it's manifested in three areas of life. When Satan shows up, 
He has one objective, but it manifests itself in three ways. Stealing, killing, and destroying. Stealing, killing, and destroying. Now, with that being said, I want to give you hope. Joel chapter 2. I love, I, I, I've not yet gotten there yet in my daily Bible reading. And I want to encourage you, if you're a believer, you need to read your Bible every day. It would take you about 10 minutes a day and you can read through your Bible from front to back in one year. No problem. And you should read your Bible through over and over and over and over. And so I, I'm actually about to finish Isaiah and go into Jeremiah. And I love the prophets, but especially, especially what we call the minor prophets. I, I like their message. I like what they, the, what they teach and preach. Joel chapter 2, I want you to see this. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. Joel chapter 2 is, or Joel 1, 2, and 3, is a prophecy of, the, of what is to come. And as sin always does destroy, I need you to understand that God is a God of restoration. And so I had you type in the comments, sin always destroys. I want you to type in the comments, God restores. God restores. God restores. When you come to God in repentance, when you repent of your sin and you surrender to God's will, humility, God will restore to you that which the locusts, Joel chapter 2, has eaten. When you come to the Lord in repentance, what sin stole from you, God will restore to you. But it comes by way of repentance. And if you're watching and listening today, and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, by believing on Him as who He is, the risen Son of God, and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, surrendering to Him, or at some point in time you did, but you've walked away and you know you're not in right relationship with God, today is your day to come back to Him. Today is the day of repentance because 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 tells us today is the day of salvation. And so if you're watching and you're listening, God so richly loved you that He gave His only begotten Son for you that while we were yet dead in sin, Christ died for us. While we were yet dead in sin, Christ died for us. So that if you put your faith in Him, He can restore to you that which Satan has stolen, stolen away. But as long, and we're going to see this, Gideon suffered from the same idea. As long as... You continue in your sins. I'll make it impersonal that way. I don't offend more people than usual. <laughs> That's one of my spiritual gifts is offense. Jesus said, if you preach the gospel, you're going to offend. My Christian brothers and sisters, if you're going to live for Jesus, you will offend the world. So you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to offend people or offend God? I know what I will decide. I will greatly honor the Lord and I will offend man. If it comes down to offending mankind or offending God, I will say to 8 billion people on the planet, please take a number and get in line. <laughs> the gospel is offense. The gospel is an offense. The gospel was an offense to me when I was dead in sin. It was an offense. The gospel came and said to me, the way you're living is unjust and unholy, and if you die in your sins, you will inhabit a place, a real place for all of eternity called hell. Yet, if you will repent and put your faith in Jesus, you will come and abide in me forever. And eventually, when you move from this planet to the next, you'll live forever in a place called heaven. Uh, Ken T. Mim says, liars pants on fire. 
Liar is spelled L-A-I-R, right? No, L-I-A-R, not an E. I don't know what a leer is, but liar, liar. All right, uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you up, gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So the people of Israel, they're suffering the consequences of sin. And what do they do? Rightly so, they turn to God, repent. They begin to cry out to the Lord. And notice this. Here's the thing. We have promises over and over again in the scripture that tell us when we call on the Lord, he'll answer us. Muddy Paul's ask, I hope, a sincere question, but a very easy question. Muddy Paul's ask, what is sin? Very simple. Anything not done in faith is sin. Well, how, do I, how can I say that? What is that? Hebrews chapter 13. No, it's not 13. It's the end of chapter 10. The book of Hebrews. is a Hebrews chapter 10 that tells us that anything not done in faith is sin. Maybe it's chapter, Romans chapter 10. I say Hebrews. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Because if that is a sincere question, which even if it's not, I'll still answer it. The Bible tells us that anything not done in faith is sin. I'll look it up. I'll get it. I'll get it right here. Anything not done in faith is sin. Romans 14, verse 23. There it is. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, but if he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. I googled it, Dr. Love. I got it. Anything not done in faith is sin. So what is sin? Anything not done in faith. What is faith? Believing and trusting that what God has said is true. So when I sin, it's a transgression of the law of God. And why would you sin other than the fact you do not believe the law of God. You do not believe that what God has said in His Word is true. You approach the Bible as just any other book. Any other book. You approach it and you say, Ah, you know, I don't believe in that. I don't don't believe it. So there's no faith and then you commit sin. Now notice this. Whenever you call upon the Lord, we have promise and promise again that he'll hear us when you call on him in faith. Psalms chapter 50, verse 15 says this, the Lord speaking to Israel, call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you and and you shall glorify me. Now, what's amazing is this, that word from God was spoken to the psalmist well after the day of Gideon. Gideon lived before that promise, that particular promise was spoken. Psalms 50, verse tw- Psalms 50, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Before that was even spoken, it was in the heart of God. And I'm sure you probably could even find uh, a time where it tells us that when you call upon the Lord in faith, prior to the day of Gideon, where he would have an example. But when you call on the Lord in faith, he'll answer you. And so that's what the people of Israel did. They're suffering for the consequence of sin, So they begin to call on the Lord. And what does the Lord do? The Lord sends a prophet. 
I want you to type this in the comments. Whether you're watching the replay or you're watching the live, I want you to type this in the comments. The Lord sends His Word. The Lord sends His Word. S-E-N-D-S. The Lord sends His Word. When you call on Him, He will send His Word. He will send His Word. When you call on Him, He will send His Word. Psalms 107, verse 20. This is a good a psalm that you could commit to memory. It would be good for you to. I'm going to start at verse 17. It says this, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. There again, sin brings destruction. Verse 18, Their souls hated all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Verse 19, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now, time and time again, specifically talking about when they had to look up to that serpent that Moses made at his command of the Lord, that they would put their eyes on that, that serpent that was made, that bronze serpent, so that they might receive healing for those snake bites because they were murmuring against the Lord and complaining against God and entered into sin. Sin brought destruction that time through snakes when they're in the wilderness. But it's very plain to see that when you call upon the Lord, He'll answer you, and He sends His Word. The Lord sends His Word. Because His Word is what will change your situation. It is the power that is vested in His Word. The Word of God has an inherent power invested in it. Your Bible is more than just black ink on white paper bound in leather or bonded leather or whatever covering it may have with a couple ribbons. It is the Word of God. And when you receive His Word by faith, cast Q777 asks, what verse is it? I just read Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The Word of God, when you put the, your faith and believe the Word of God to be true for you, it releases its power in your life. Psalm, or excuse me, Isaiah 55, verse 10 says this about the Word of God. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and make, makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void to me, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God carries a power inside itself, that it is released by faith and it changes things when the Word of God shows up. So the people of Israel, they're suffering from the hands of the Midianites. They call out to the Lord and God sends a prophet. What is the purpose of a prophet? The purpose of a prophet is to release a word from God. That's what the prophet did. He brought a word to Israel. Now, you might think, well, why didn't he just bring a miracle? Even when miracles come to pass in our life, they come to pass to confirm the word. Mark chapter 16 tells us exactly that. Mark 16, verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word which, with, excuse me, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. The word of God is confirmed by miracle power. And the Word of God, when it goes forth, is just like rain. I've got a backyard garden. You, are, if, are you planting anything this year? If you've got a garden, 
uh, let me know in the comments. Are you planting anything? Got any house plants? Planet, you know, I live in South Carolina, so it's a great place to plant. We have a long planting season because we're mildly warm, comparatively speaking. And so in the backyard, we've got four raised beds. We've got flowers, sunflowers that are about three foot tall, tomatoes, potatoes, onions. We've got uh, pumpkins, squash, zucchini, cucumber, um, all, kind of, all kind of stuff planted. Uh, bell pepper, basil, cilantro, all kind of stuff. House plants and flowers growing. That's awesome, Teresa. And so just like when the rain falls and it saturates the ground, those plants soak up that water and they grow. They grow. It is no different with the Word of God. When the Word of God comes into, a lo into your life, it's like rain that makes things grow. The Word of God has a power to produce that which it promises. And when you call on the Lord, do not be surprised when He sends His Word. That's His nature. Because in His Word is the solution that you have need of. In His, in His Word, the Word of God carries the power of God. You could type that in the comments. The Word of God carries the power of God. It carries the power to change. All right, Gideon, uh, Gideon, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. So here we have what's going on. The people of Israel, they're suffering because of the sin that they've entered into. Their enemies are conquering them, which God told them in Deuteronomy 28. He said, if you obey me, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Teresa. He used to be political atheist. I don't know why he changed his name. He still won't put up a real picture of himself. Interesting. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which is not Oprah, Ophrah which belonged to Joas the Abezerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now notice this. Gideon, he's hiding. He's threshing out wheat in a winepress. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. Why is he doing that? So that if the Midianites come by, they won't see his wheat harvest that he's hidden in the wine press. Gideon, who will be called by God to be a general and a judge of a nation, to defeat the enemies of God, is hiding from his enemies. And what does the angel of the Lord say to Gideon? What does he say when he finds Gideon hiding? This should encourage you. It encourages me. When the Lord found Gideon hiding, what does he say? He doesn't say, you dirty rotten dog. What are you doing over there hiding for? Get out of there. No, the Lord speaks to Gideon what the Lord desires to see in Gideon. That's the beauty about the Word of God. The Word of God does not change for anybody. It doesn't change for me. It doesn't change for you. It changes for no one. The Word of God is the standard of God. The Word of God changes for no one. The Word of God speaks even though it speaks in contrast to the current state of events. The current state of events. Your life how, the, the, your life may not be lining up complete with the world. No one's life is at this point, right? We're being continually perfected. But that doesn't mean our life does not submit to the authority of the Word of God and begin to line up with it. In fact, it should. It should. Your life should look like the promises of God because they've been promised to you and they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. But this is the nature of God. The nature of God is to speak those things that be not 
as though they were. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, this is the Lord speaking to Abraham, I have made you, speaking to Abraham, a father of many nations. Notice, God called Abraham a father of many nations before, before he was a father of one. God called Abraham a father of many nations before he was even the father of one person. God calls things that be not. Notice this. In the presence of him, God, whom he believed, Abraham believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The King James says it, and I like it a little bit better the way it phrases it. God calls things that be not as though they were. The angel of the Lord speaks to Gideon. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He's hiding from his enemies. And the Lord just called him a mighty man of valor. Judges 6.13 Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Look, here's the thing. Gideon is rehearsing to the Lord what many people often rehearse to God. Lord, if what you say is true, then why is this happening? But Gideon is in error in what he's saying. We know why what's happening to Israel is happening. Why was these terrible things happening to Israel? Because they forsook God. Judges 6, 1, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. But here's Gideon saying, look, if, if this is true, if God's with us, and I'm a mighty man of valor, but more importantly, if God's with us, then why are all these things, things happening? Because you forsook God, and sin brought destruction. Now, what does the Lord say? Judges six fourteen. then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? There we have it. Gideon's called to the service of the Lord. God calls Gideon into his service when he's hiding from his enemies. God came to Gideon and said, I'm calling you to be a mighty man of valor. I'm sending you forth in power and in might. I'm sending you forth in power. God ordained power. I'm sending you forth in power, and you're going to deliver your nation by the power of God from your enemies. You know, here's the thing what we have to understand. If the Lord's going to do something in the earth, he does it through his people. If the Lord's going to do something in the earth, he's going to do it through you. That's how the Lord works. If the Lord is going to do something in the earth, he does it through his church. Who is the church? 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that we are the members of the body of Christ. We each have our own specific call. We each have what we are supposed to do. We're each called to the Lord as Christians. We have a purpose and a place in the church, but we make up collectively the body of Christ. And if the Lord's going to do something in the earth, he does it through the church. In this case, the Lord said to Gideon, I'm going to save Israel and I'm going to do it through your leadership. And he speaks to him again. It's almost like the Lord ignores what Gideon is saying. I guess he does. It's, it's also like, like Gideon said, well, if, these, if this is true, why are all these things happening? And then God just continues to call him in to his ministry. Uh-oh. It's 
Teresa says, can't hear me. Check one, two. Everything is still the, the same on my end, Teresa. If you can hear me, give me a thumbs up in the comments. Check one, two, one, two. I can hear you. Oh, that, hey, I, I appreciate that, political atheist. Thankful for you. You stopped badgering me for a second to let me know the audio level worked. Awesome. <laughs> so the Lord just says, look, I'm going to send you forth in this power and this might. Good, Teresa. Glad. Glad. All right, verse 15. So he said to him, Gideon speaks to the Lord. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, some people think that's humility. Some people think what Gideon just said is being humble. God calls Gideon. He says, you're a mighty man of valor. I'm going to anoint you with power to lead Israel in victory over its enemies. And Gideon replies, look, my clan that I'm born to, Manasseh, we are the absolute most we're, we're the weakest clan, we're the smallest clan, we're the weakest of all the tribes of Israel, and I'm the least in my father's family. So basically what Gideon's saying is, I'm the least of the least of the least. And you're going to call me to be a mighty man of valor? You're going to call me to be a general of the armies of Israel? You're going to call me? You're going to put power on me to deliver my nation from the enemies of God? Me? Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility, as we mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast, is absolute surrender to God's will. So true humility is not saying, Lord, don't call me. I'm too small. I'm too weak. I'm too little. It's saying, Lord, even though naturally I feel the least of the least of the least, if you've called me, if you've commanded me, if you've empowered me, if you've equipped me, then I'll do what you ask me to do. And that's what Gideon does. He does. Verse 17. Now, this is the first test. This is the first test. Gideon's first test and you could say a test of faith, but let's, let's be honest. At this point, uh, uh, Gideon, you know, he's not a new covenant believer like you and I are. <laughs> he doesn't have the full canon of scripture like we do. And so, you know, you, you can't be too hard on Gideon because he, he puts out several tests before the Lord. And oftentimes the one we speak of the most are those fleece, which is at the end of Judges chapter 6. Lord, if this is really you, I'm going to lay out this wool fleece and I want you to make everything around it. Let the morning dew make the entire grass wet and the fleece dry. And then the next day, he said, Lord, please don't be angry. I'm going to do it one more time. But do the opposite this time. But there's a test before that. Judges chapter 6, verse 17. Then Gideon said to the Lord, If now I have found favor in your sight... Then show me a sign that it is you who talks with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, the Lord, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, an unleavened bread with an ephod of flour, and meat he put in a basket. And he put forth broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, lay, it, lay them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and the fire rose out of the rock, consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So this first test, Gideon says, Look, I'm going to go make you dinner. Please stay here. And when I bring back this dinner, show me a sign. And so the Lord does. He agrees. Gideon goes and prepares, which by the way, just think about it. That took me like, what, 27 seconds to read that passage of Scripture? 
But how long does it take to go slaughter a goat, dress it, butcher it, you know, clean it, butcher it, cook it, bake some bread, and then bring it all back? That took a while. It wasn't like, you know, we live in the, the age of luxury. It wasn't where you just hit up the drive through line and in seven minutes you have 2,500 calories worth of food for for $11. Like it, this took some time for him to do that. I just always think that's interesting. So then the Lord consumes with fire this, uh, this meal, a form of an offering. Verse 22, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, that God was the angel of the Lord. The Lord was sp- speaking directly to God, uh, to Gideon. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I've seen the angel, capital A, angel of the Lord face to face. Now people saw the Lord. People have never seen the Lord in the fullness of his glory, but many people have seen the Lord. Many people have seen the Lord. Moses, the 70 uh, elders of Israel, with Moses and Aaron, it's in the book of Exodus, they sit down and have a meal with God. Gideon sees them. Abraham, but no one see, has seen him in the fullness of his glory. Now, so Gideon, he says, oh, no, I'm going you know, to perish. I've seen the Lord. But then what does the Lord say to him? Verse 23, then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still an Ophrah of the Asbezerites. This is the first time where we see this name that God gives himself, Jehovah Shalom. Many times the Lord gives himself a name so that we can better understand his nature and who he is. And God is the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord God of peace. When you're in Christ, you're in peace. And the peace that you have overcomes this world. You know, in fact, that, that, that's a good passage for you to remember along with this. John chapter is it 14, verse 27. Notice what Jesus says concerning his peace. Peace I leave with you. This is John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You don't have to be fearful. He says it again. He says it before that in John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And God is the God of peace. And the peace that he gives you is not like the peace the world gives. The peace that God gives you is a peace that cannot be shaken. It's a peace that cannot be stolen. So never surrender it. Surrender it to the world. Judges 6, verse 25. We're coming to an end here. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him. So notice, the same time the Lord speaks to him. Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the wooden image that is beside it, the Asherah pole. And build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So notice Gideon, he's working up the courage here. This mighty man of valor that's been called by God, he's working up the courage, but he does obey the Lord. The Lord tells him, you go tear down that altar of Baal, which was a pagan god, and cut down the Asherah pole. Asherah poles were often carved with grotesque, obscene imagery. An Asherah pole 
was an was a wooden pole, oftentimes it was wood, sometimes stone, but mainly wood. They would actually take a living tree, cut all the branches off of it, and carve into it genitalia as an act of worship to Astra, Astaroth, this goddess, this goddess, this goddess of fertility, that anytime you find worship of, of these Astra poles, uh, in Egypt, I think they call her Ishtar, different places like Babylon, Ishtar. But essentially, this fertility goddess, anytime you find worship of it, you find sexual perversions all around the worship of this goddess. And so the people of Israel, they were doing evil in the sight of the Lord. We see what the evil is now. The people of Israel had forsaken God by worshiping false gods. They were worshiping Baal. Baal was this God who was the anti-God, like an antichrist spirit. Baal would always be the, the God that Israel would first run to when they forsook Jehovah. Baal, they believed, would be like, you know, a God of rain and a God of war. Often, often uh, the God of prosperity, often seen as a bull. And so... Gideon's own father has an altar to Baal and an astropole. Gideon's own dad is worshiping false god, false gods. Responsible Hulk says, wait, 2,000 years ago, the world was full of fertility worship. More than 2,000 years, my friend. All worship that is not devoted to the true and living God is idolatry. And many times and oftentimes you see it steeped in sexual perversions known as fertility worship. The God of Molech, that was the God that would stand with his arms. It was oftentimes a bronze statue that would have a fire in its belly and it would have his arms out like this. And the people that worship Molech, which even any, many times the Israelites, when they would fall into idolatry, they would worship Molech. They would take their firstborn son and in an act of winning over favor from the God of Molech, what they would do is they would give their firstborn child to this God, sacrifice this child to Molech so that Molech would bless them with being able to have children for the rest of their life. And it's amazing, that same demonic spirit that encouraged worship of Molech was found in a woman named Margaret Sanger, a racist who started Planned Parenthood. Judges chapter 6, verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was, there was the altar of Baal torn down. Praise God. Tear down the altars of Baal. When you find an altar of Baal, tear it down. And the wooden image that was beside it, it was cut down. And the second bowl was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he's torn down the altar of Baal and because he's cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself, because this altar has been torn down. Therefore on that day he called him, his son, Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar." Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 34, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Asbezerites gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who went gathered, also gathered behind him. And he also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. And they came up to meet them. And that's where we're going to finish today. Gideon calls forth the armies of God, and you can go read the rest of it, Judges 6, 7, and 8. Gideon calls forth the, 
tribes of Israel to go to war against the enemies of God. But I want you to see this. It was not, it says this in verse 34, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. It was not until after Gideon obeyed and humbled himself to the Lord that he was empowered by the Spirit of the Lord. When Gideon humbled himself in obedience, because remember, the Lord speaks to him, you're a mighty man of valor. I'm going I'm to use you to deliver Israel. Then Gideon says, well, now wait a minute. I want to make sure this is real. Show me a sign. The Lord shows him a sign and then gives him a command. Then gives him a command to tear down the demonic, wicked altar of Baal and Astra, Astaroth. Tear down those idolatrous, wicked, perverse institutions of worship to demons. And after he obeys, then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. After he obeys, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And it's what we saw. Before honor is humility. Proverbs 18, 12. Before honor... Before there's a raising up, there must be a surrender. There must be a surrender. When you surrender yourself to the Lord and His will, then He exalts you. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon after he humbled himself to obey. I read it once, I'll read it again. James 4, verse 6, But He gives more grace, therefore He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, Verse 5, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. When Gideon obeyed and did the command of the Lord, destroy that altar of Baal, that Astaropole, that pagan, idolatrous, demonic place of worship that had infiltrated not just Israel but Gideon's own household, and raise up an altar to the Lord, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And it's no different today. It is no different than uh, today. When we surrender to the will of God, the power of the Lord comes upon us. The Lord has a unique calling for each and every person that is part of the body of Christ. The Lord has a call on your life. And in, for, in order for you to fulfill that call, you must have God's supernatural power and ability to back you up. And how do you get that? You humble yourself. Acts 5 verse 32, And we are His witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. What is the first step of obedience? The first step of obedience is salvation. When you put your faith in Jesus as the risen Son of God and you confess Jesus Lord, you shall be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're listening today, whether on the live stream or you're watching the replay, and you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never confessed Jesus Lord, I want you to do that today. Today is the day of salvation. What happens when you put your faith in Jesus as who he is, Lord and Savior? The Bible tells us you're made a brand new creation, that every old, shameful, sinful thing that you've done is washed by the blood of the Lamb. You're washed completely clean, and you're made brand new. You want a brand new start? Have you ever felt that way? You just felt like, I just wish I could start over? This is how you start over. Maybe at some point in time you did do that, but you've walked away from the Lord. The Bible calls it backsliding. You, you departed from the things of God. You can come back to God and He'll restore you. So if you have never prayed that prayer of salvation, or at some point in time you did, but you need to make things right with God. Plain and simple, if you need to make things right with God, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, 
I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and he is risen from the dead. I believe that Jesus died on my cross for my sins so that I might have his life. I confess Jesus, Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. Lord, wash me clean. Make me brand new. I surrender all that I am to you. And all the days of my life, I'll live for you by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, and it was either the very first time you prayed that prayer, or you prayed it in today in a prayer of repentance to come back and return to the Lord, I want you to put an emoji hand up in the comment section. If today you prayed that prayer, not some point in your life, I'm thankful that you did, but I'm trying to see those people that have come into the family of God today. If you've prayed that prayer and that was your first time praying it today to receive salvation, or you're praying it to recommit your life and you're, it's a decision that you're making today, put an emoji hand up in the comment section. And what I want you to do is go to the link tree in my TikTok bio. Those that are watching on TikTok, click on the link tree. And there's a form that says, I just got saved. If you click that tab, I just got saved, fill out that information, and I'll send you something that will richly bless you. The folks that are watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, the link will be, I'll put it in the comments right now. I did that last week, and I think that was helpful. We had, uh, we had one person each week, or excuse me, not each week, each session last week, we had a person give their life to Christ. How do I know that? And maybe more, but I know specifically one per broadcast, someone gave their life to Jesus because they went and filled out this form. And when you sit, fill out that information, we send you a free gift in the mail that will help you become strong in your walk with Jesus. It's a discipleship book written by my pastor and it will richly bless you. And I'm dropping it now in the comment section for Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. It's now in the comment section. Click that link. And I'm thankful for you that you've watched today. Hey, make sure you join me tomorrow, 11 a.m. Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to continue tomorrow. The message we're going to teach on tomorrow, who we'll look at tomorrow, put in the comments if you think you know who it is. You probably can guess it from this one. Humility comes before honor. The boy who fights. Tomorrow's session is the boy who fights. God bless you, Corrine. Glad that you're watching and listening. Glad that everyone's watching and listening. The boy who fights. Thankful for Audrey. Very thankful for Responsible Hulk. Very thankful for Hinkle McCrinkle Berry, also known as Political Atheist. Oh, some people know in the comments. Juan, Kareem, you got it. It's David. The Boy Who Fights. It's going to be a good one. You don't want to miss it. You need to make sure you're here. Turn on notifications. When we go live, you'll be here. Uh, Audrey says, he's thankful for me and my Satanism. No, I'm thankful for you because you're made in the image of God. And I pray that you would repent and turn from that. Why would you worship Satan? He's the biggest chump to ever inhabit the universe. Satan is the biggest loser to ever exist. Why? Why serve a loser? Come on over to the winning side. There's plenty of room in the family of God. Plenty of room in the family of God. Hey, I'm thankful for you. Let me pray for you as we leave, before we leave today. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying and I'm lifting up every single person that's watching and listening. Lord, those that have not put their faith in Jesus, I'm praying this, Lord. Soften their hearts. Even as you did to, did to our hearts, Lord. Soften their hearts. Lord, and we pray according to Matthew chapter 9. 
send forth laborers across their path to share and to sow the word of God. For your word contains power to set men and women free. So, Lord, I'm praying that by the conviction of the Holy Ghost and by the power that is in the Word of God, that they will continue to hear your truth and it will cause them to come to a prodigal son moment in their life. They'll say, why am I here? Dead in my sins when life is being offered to me. In Jesus' name. Father, I lift up every single person that is watching and listening. That is a Christian. That's a believer. Lord, strengthen us continually by the power of your might. Lord, strengthen us in your power and your might to do the task that you've set before us, God. And Lord, continually cleanse us and sanctify us that we may be holy and pure and set apart to you. If there's anything from this world that's attached itself to us, Lord, we, we want no part of it. We repent of it now in Jesus' name. For we desire you and you alone in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday, I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.